morning live stream. Let's take a minute to pray. God, we recognize you in this place. We thank you that um, before we were here this morning, before we were here 50 years ago, you were here. Your spirit is present with us. Continue to be with us as we look at your scriptures, as we commune together, as we look at what mystery and unity is, Lord God. Amen. Uh, first things first, preteens are with Heidi. I think they left already. Be with you guys. Um, <laughs> you know, I thought I would take a minute to introduce myself reintroduce myself. Uh, I've been around, I've been here and there. Um, this is actually not just at Northside, my first time ever preaching. Um, so bear with me as I, you know, figure out my voice and what that looks like. Uh, the beautiful thing is, is that uh, God's Spirit is here, and he's going to work through me. Uh, it's a beautiful thing, right? Um, I'm Mark. Uh, I grew up in Newburgh. Um, I... Uh, Love this town. Uh, met my wife, Alyssa, at George Fox. Uh, happened to also meet this uh, couple weird, crazy kids named Nick Forrest and Heidi Stagg. Uh, they're all right. Um, <laughs> I studied ministry both at uh, undergrad uh, and in seminary, uh, studied missions. Um, as we were praying, we thought, uh, God might send us overseas. Alyssa uh, has been a nurse for 15 years, um, and you know there's there's need for that. Uh, over the last 10 years, though, uh, I we weren't in missions. We weren't even working in a church. This is my first full-time ministry position. Uh, I've been a small business owner uh, roasting coffee. It's been a lot of fun, and there has been a mission focus in that, but um, not quite overseas missions. God definitely closed the door on that. Uh, we were living in Portland on mission, though, which is uh, a whole other idea of what mission looks like uh, and one that we'll look at a little bit today as well. We have two kids, Micah's in fourth grade, and uh, our daughter Sonia's nine. Uh, we're happy to be here. It's been a great time in Newburgh. My, uh, Sonia's six. <laughs> Thanks, Mom and Dad. <laughs> uh, let's read the word. How about that? Uh, we're going to look at Ephesians 1.9 today and 3.3, um, and, 3, 3, and we're going to look at what God's will and mystery is. Um, so Ephesians 1.9 says, With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. Uh, later, Paul writes in 3.3, 3, That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. So Nick touched on this last week. Uh, what the idea of mystery looks like. In Ephesians, Paul writes about this mystery. Um, so on this slide, we'll see the definition of mysterion, which is a Greek word. Um, and the fun thing about Greek words is they don't just mean one thing. There's a few different uh, 
iterations of that. Uh, specifically, I thought we'd look at um, number C, a hidden purpose or counsel, and then part three, it's of God. It's secret counsels which govern God in dealing with the righteous, which are hidden from ungodly and wicked men, but plain to the godly. And on the next slide, we're going to look at uh, just a couple more definitions that I thought fit. Um, do you guys know the Bible Project? It's great. They just uh, released a new app this year. You should look at that. It's a great look at what the Bible is uh, with lots of different tools. Uh, they define it, Mysterion, as a truth once hidden. And uh, a well-known missiologist, Leslie Newbegin, called it an open secret. So mystery that we're looking at here is kind of like when a magician does a trick. And you're like, man, that'd be cool. I'd like to know how to do that. It's always good to have a party trick, right? But the magician isn't just going to tell you the trick, right? You have to make a pact. You have to spend time with them to learn how to do this trick. Um, but once you know, you know you're in. You, have, you know the mystery of what that trick looks like. But Paul is talking about mystery here, and it's not something that is unknowable. Uh, rather, uh, Paul is telling us it can be made known through revelation. Uh, only because God reveals it. It's not enough just to know it, though. It's too good to keep to ourselves. In fact, the Greek that Paul uses here makes it evident that it's not just for us to know ourselves, but it's for us to make known. It's a really beautiful thing. Mystery, though, can lead to tension, right? Um, if we don't know what's going on or how to do something, there can be tension. Uh, my family loves puzzles. My dad's been doing puzzles longer than I've been alive, 40 years. Um, but he's figured out a plan. You put the edges together, you find your patterns or colors, and you can you know, figure out the puzzle. Now, uh, a few years ago, uh, I was at home with our son Micah trying to put together these uh, puzzles. You know, they're made for little kids to start figuring them out. Pictures of elephants or cars cut out, so they're really easy to put in there. So I'm sitting there on the floor, and he's just spinning it every which way. And I'm like, just slow down, put it in. It was causing me tension, because I had no idea what his will was, why he was doing it this way, when it's just like, you see the picture of the elephant, you put it in there. That's a mid-30-year-old saying that, right? So he's learning. I could have said, Micah, just take it and put it here. He wouldn't have learned anything. By giving him the chance to figure it out, it was finally revealed to him that if he slowed down, he could get the picture right. Just as I was living in tension, watching Micah in his puzzle, trying not to micromanage, uh, <laughs> we're living in tension, right? There's a tension in not knowing what the plan is or how we're going to see the solution. In the first century, the Jews were living in tension, well, even before the first century. They were waiting on the Messiah, and the Messiah was going to come and establish his physical kingdom here on earth. But, uh, sorry, they were also living in promises that they believed to be true through reading the Torah, through studying their scriptures, and trying to piece it all together. Now, the disciples come along uh, following this rabbi that they found, and it's been revealed to them that it's not a once uh, the Messiah shows up, the kingdom is here. It's a spiritual kingdom, and it's going to continue to be that way until the second coming when Christ comes again. 
And even though we have hope in that second coming, we still do experience a little bit of that tension, right? There's still, I think we could say, a lot going on right now that leads to tension, right? Uh, there's not a lot of clear answers, or when you think you have a clear answer, someone very clearly states that's not the right answer. We have hope in the second coming. Between the kingdom having come with Jesus as Messiah 2,000 years ago, in our present life, waiting on that second coming. We're called to participate as people saved by grace through faith in Jesus as Messiah. Really, Ephesians 1.9 summarizes the whole book of Ephesians. God has revealed his will through Jesus that unites all things in God. The mystery of God's will is purposed in Christ as Messiah. So here in Jesus, we see the mystery of God's will being revealed. We know that heaven and earth are separated by original sin. We know that the Israelites, Jacob, was chosen as a people, uh, separated to bring blessing and the kingdom to all nations. But throughout Ephesians, Paul's laying out the mystery that God's will for all creation is to be united. I think here we should take a peek at Ephesians 1.10. Um, it wasn't in what we read earlier, but I think it kind of summarizes and cleans this up a little bit. Paul goes on to say, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. See, here we see the will of God being revealed in Christ. It's establishing unity between heaven and earth. It doesn't just stop there, though. That's the beginning. Because as we go through the book, uh, and we'll be going through the book uh, this year, uh, we'll see that it's also unity between Jews and Gentiles. Lastly, uh, later in the book, in chapter 5, Paul talks about how it's also about the church becoming one flesh with Jesus. Uh, in my studies, I looked at a couple of commentaries, um, and uh, I think we'll see that on the, the next slide. Uh, the first one comes from Skevington Wood. Yes, I did just have to say that name. Um, <laughs> he's actually a Methodist. He, uh, he's a Wesleyan, uh, and I believe he's from England. Um, but he says, the unlocking of the mystery has now taken place in Christ. There is no need to wait until the last day in order to know what God's strategy is. Harold Honer uh, follows that up by saying, Christ is the basis and the goal of the mystery. Christ would provide the sacrifice, and thus it would be possible to culminate all things in him. This was a secret of God's will that could not be unraveled by human ingenuity or study. So we've talked about mystery. We've talked about a little bit about will. I think this would be a good time to define it. So again, Greek word, thelema, um, multiple ways that it can be looked at depending on the context and all of that. I think for this purpose... Uh, we, let's look at um, 1A. It's of the purpose of God to bless mankind through Christ. And, and also the second definition. It's a will, a choice, inclination, desire, or pleasure. So in Christ, we're seeing that unity come, right? God has revealed the Messiah, Jesus. It's in Jesus that God's will is starting to be clarified. It's Christ and the church, all as one in him. God's will is not something that remains hidden. In fact, Paul goes on to explain that God's will can only be made known through revelation. And this is in 3.3. 3. 
Um, and the Greek word for revelation is apocalypsis. There's probably some baggage around apocalypse, right? Uh, so let's, again, look at the definition. This is great. Uh, the, again, we'll, we'll just skip past number one there because we don't need to do that today. Uh, number two... <laughs> Number two says it's a disclosure of truth or instruction. Uh, and A, it's concerning, concerning things before unknown. Now, before when I'd heard apocalypse, it's like, okay, end of times. These, you know, crazy creatures are going to come down out of nowhere, like eight wings, 12 eyes, all this stuff, right? Um, left behind books. That's, you know, we'll, we'll just leave that there. Uh, but in the original Greek, apocalypsis is more about how things are made known. You know, it's it's the revealing of God's will. So we given a uh, we're given an apocalypsis. Uh, we're having truth revealed to us, um, and and I think it's important to look at how Paul is talking about this. It's not something that I can gain from studying, which you know I try to do, which we should try to do, is study God's will, uh, God's word. It's not something that I can know by having class with Nick or with other teachers or in seminary. While we do learn great things there, this is knowledge that is only revealed when God decides to reveal it, how he wants to reveal it. That's an apocalypsis. There are many Jews that were living in the time that didn't see that, right? There's a progression of how this apocalypsis was made known to the people of God. In fact, Paul reminds the Ephesians that salvation had been bestowed upon Jews apart from the law, which makes it manifestly universal in in scope. It's God's gift to all people. For a while, it was thought just the Jews would see the Messiah, right? But it really is uh, a bigger idea than that. It's for all of us. And this revelation of God's will is the administration of divine grace. It's an implementation of the strategy to bring all things into union. This has to do with the mystery or the secret plan by which God determined to incorporate the Gentiles into the body of the church that are equal partners with Israel. We are connected to God's will and revelation as God unfolds the mystery in Christ to bring creation together. Now, Jesus gives us a glimpse of God's will in John chapter 4. I think we'll all remember that's where uh, Jesus had the conversation with the Samaritan woman at the well. Uh, We don't need to rehash that, but I thought it was really important to look at how Jesus speaks to her of what's to come. She says, hey, we're we're family. They both came from Jacob, uh, but we worship differently. You guys worship on your mountain, and we worship on our mountain. Who's right? Jesus says, well, uh, no one. He says in uh, verse 23 and 24, a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman ran back to her community. She said, the Messiah has been revealed. We don't have to live apart. We get to to be together. And many, many Samaritans uh, believe and follow Jesus from that point. Grab a drink of water real quick. Our culture 
tends to hold on to the things that identify us, things that we think we are or that we're supposed to be doing. Some of them are good things, uh, but maybe some of them aren't necessarily living into the revelation that God's give that, given us. Have you guys seen the movie Encanto? It's on Disney. That's it's great. Uh, good music, good story. Uh, we watched it last weekend with our kids, nine and six. Uh, <laughs> and it's a beautiful story. I was thinking about how this mystery plays out. There's a lot of mystery in this story of Encanto, where there's a family that's been given this magical gift, um, and their family, in turn, receives magical gifts at a certain age. And this goes from uh, two generations that we see. But they're not necessarily living in mystery in a good way. I think they're living in fear of mystery. You see, they're, they're doing their best to live up to the expectations. They're kind of a glue for the community. They're, they're there to support the community and be a resource for them. Um, Louisa is one of the grandkids, super strong. Um, she lifts donkey, multiple donkeys, pianos, buildings in the way. It's quite impressive. Um, there's Isabella. She's perfect. She makes beautiful flowers. Um, she is the perfect child. And then... Uh, there's Bruno. We can't talk about Bruno. Sorry. Bruno has these revelations and these mysteries. Um, and that's part of, the, part of the story and part of what brings us here today and why I wanted to talk about it. They see, as the family is living, these things start to change. There's cracks starting to come. These gifts that they have are starting to break. And I think it's because they're not just saying, um, this is who I am. This is who I need to be. They're, they're only looking at the things that they've been given gifts-wise and not looking at really the purpose of their family, of the gifts, and how they can really be a true blessing to that community. They start to see some of these cracks. Mirabelle, uh, the only grandchild without a gift so far, she didn't get one. She starts to see some of these cracks coming. She realized that part of the revelation that, um, that Bruno had that made him leave concerned her. Uh, instead of dealing with that, he exiled, he ran away, he was hidden, and they didn't know what to do about that except continue to live in the truth that they knew. I don't want to give away spoilers if you haven't watched it. But what it comes down to is they have to realize that it's not just about the gifts that they're given, but they have to live in union as a family. They have to live together for these gifts to actually be meaningful to actually benefit the community. See, at Ephesians, Paul is showing us God's will. It's no longer a mystery. We don't have to live in fear of what's going to happen or who we are or how we live in this community or in the context that we're in. Rather, we get to see Jesus has come to unite all things. Jesus comes to make all things new, to bring us all together. The mystery of God's will and revelation is that Jesus has come to unite all these things. So now the question, simple question, how are we going to live into the revelation? What do we do with what's been revealed to us? Are we seeking unity between heaven and earth? 
between those in our church and in our community? How does the revelation of God's will lead us into kingdom partnership? Now, this is something that we've been talking about uh, since January this year. Taking next steps together with Jesus. One way we take next steps is looking at what Paul talks about here in Ephesians. How, we're uni- how are we united towards kingdom partnership? What are we doing to build unity with each other, both in this church, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces? Maybe your next step has been revealed to you. You know what you should do? Take that next step. Live into that. Believe that that's the truth if it's come through God and do that. But maybe it hasn't been revealed to you. Maybe you're like, I don't know what God wants for me next. It doesn't have to be a big thing. Maybe it is a big thing, and that's what's hard about it. Maybe it's just stepping up to join a volunteer team here at Northside. Maybe it's joining one of our 17 life groups. Um, Maybe it's starting a life group. We're starting Alpha uh, as an evangelistic outreach in in a month and a half. Uh, We'd love to have you join that. We need volunteers. We need people to show up, to be loving, to be moderators, to answer questions. Well, not actually answer questions. You're just there to bless people. It could be reconciling a relationship that's broken. God's will is kingdom partnership. That's the mystery of his unity, that we're doing these things together. Maybe it's your time, maybe it's your money, maybe it's your giftings and skills. Which reminds me, we do have offering available. (laughs) We've got yellow boxes out front. We have our church center app. Be faithful. I'm not going to tell you how much to give. Although if you want to ask me, I'll tell you how much. Give it all. Church, let's be faithful. Let's be faithful to take our next steps. Let's see where there's disunity, and let's bring unity. Because uh, the beauty of it is it's not something that we actually have to do. It's been done. We just have to say yes. Time, there's people here to pray with you. If you need someone to do that, we're here to pray with you. We're here to be with you. Um, There's people in the lobby to help you with your push pay canceling if you need to do that. Uh, We just want this to be a time of ministry. So thank you so much, everyone, for being here. Let's go with God. Thanks, Pastor Mark. That was a good word. First time, that's pretty good. Um, I think this is a good challenge for us, too. Maybe we can take a second together to be listening, to just allow the Holy Spirit to reconfirm the things that the Spirit's been doing in our lives already. So take a second, and let's, let's let the Lord speak to us. God, what is next for me? What's next for Nick? God, what step do you want me to take today? As Nate's playing in the background, just let's take a second and listen.
thing happens for me when I hear the Lord speaking and I'm kind of wrestling. I just start to get just ever so slightly sweaty. <laughs> I start to kind of wrestle and argue. I know that thing. It's not that big of a deal. I want the next step. I want the other thing. Uh, this other stuff is on my mind. Uh, one of the announcements that came this morning was about Ash Wednesday. And I've been hearing the Lord speak to me ahead of time about the coming season of Lent. But preparing ourselves for preparing ourselves for Easter to come. And the idea of new life that comes when Christ is resurrected. That's why we love the flowers and we have Easter eggs. <laughs> All these reminders of life coming. But first comes a long death. I mean, first comes the crucifixion. First comes 40 days of denying ourselves, denying our own fleshly wants and desires and wishes. I'm really excited for Lent. I'm really excited to fast things. And that's not common for me. But I am kind of looking forward to the thing that I'm going to take a step in. I'm looking forward to the moment where I can say, Kids, we're not watching any TV for 40 days. I cannot wait for Lent to start. I, I can't wait for a season to put away a certain kind of food for a while. And every time I experience that hunger pain to remember, oh, I'm doing this because I want to listen carefully to everything God's saying. So buckle up for Ash Wednesday. Be praying about that step for yourself. Be praying about that thing that that maybe God's saying, this one has taken a little bit of your attention. Why don't you set that aside? Maybe it's even the idea of getting up at 5.30 in the morning and coming to get ashes on my forehead. Maybe it's the idea of getting here for a service to, to do something out of the ordinary, peculiar, and to be walking around with this strange, ominous, ashy thing on my forehead all day. What are people going to think about that? I mean, it's easy for me. I'm going to be here. You're going to know what that is. But you guys got to go to work. What, what's that going to look like for all of us? What kind of a step is that going to be for us? Mark, thank you for that word. That was a really good word. What's the next thing? It's a great Sunday. We should be really praying for the Bengals because they're going to suffer a terrible loss today. So if we just have some comforting prayers for their families and their friends be praying for them. Have a great Sunday, everybody. Enjoy the Super Bowl. If you don't have someone to watch the Super Bowl with, would you just grab somebody's shoulder? If it's mine, grab my shoulder and say, I don't have anybody to watch the Super Bowl with. Can I come over? The answer is already yes. Just grab an elbow. But enjoy one another. Enjoy the sun. and Have a great week. We will see you soon. Be blessed.